We are already in the fifth week of our current message series for the Lenten season, looking at the place healing has in the Christian life. In the first week, we uncovered three truths, perhaps three surprising truths about healing. First truth, we are, all of us, broken in various ways, and in various ways we live in a broken world, which means all of us are in need of healing. Wounds are simply a, a reality as a result of original sin, as a consequence of personal sin. Second truth, healing was core and critical to Jesus' ministry, message, and mission. Along with preaching and teaching, it's simply what he did. He came to bring healing. Healing to broken bodies, broken hearts, broken spirits, broken relationships, and our broken world. Which means he came to bring healing to you and me. Third truth. As with all aspects of the Christian life, the reality of divine healing is shrouded in mystery. We don't really know how it works. There's certainly no formula to it. It requires faith if it's going to happen at all. Divine healing and faith go together. Some of our wounds are shallow, others deep. Some are old and familiar, others are fresh and raw. There are those among us who are physically wounded. Others bear emotional wounds like anger or anxiety, spiritual wounds like doubt or despair. And then there are the wounds that are imposed on us by grief and loss and death. The question becomes what to do. What to do with the wounds you most certainly have? How do you handle them? Ultimately, there are two, and really only two choices, relying on ourselves or relying on the Lord. Relying on ourselves, we can expect only limited success at best. Relying on the Lord holds unlimited possibilities because Jesus Christ came to renew and restore everything that has been broken. Elsewhere, Scripture says, Behold, I come to make all things new again. He came to restore all things to their intended wholeness. He came to heal you and me and make us whole. But for that to happen, of course, we have to acknowledge our need for healing. And then we have to be attentive to the Lord, listening to him, listening to him instead of listening to all the lies that we tell ourselves and others tell about us, lies that contribute to and follow from our wounds. We've got to acknowledge our need, we've got to be attentive to the Lord, and then we've got to do one other thing, another element to healing that we're going to look at today. And we're going to look at it through the lens of a story in the ninth chapter of John, all about physical healing. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? 
this man or his parents, that he was born blind. So the Gospel writer John doesn't give us much context for this story, but Jesus and the other disciples are on one of their journeys, and they pass by a man born blind. Everybody in town would have known the guy since he was forced to publicly beg for a living by the side of the road. The disciples' question comes in light of the rabbinic view that blindness and other debilitating conditions were punishment for sin. That the man was born blind was proof to them that he had actually sinned in the womb. Such was their belief. Or that he was punished for the sins of his parents while in the womb. For instance, if a pregnant woman worshipped at a pagan temple, then the baby she carried was regarded as having worshipped at a pagan table, temple and punished accordingly. Seems strange to us, but I don't think that kind of thinking is limited to first century Palestine. In one form or another, that thinking can continue. Often the reason we don't want to admit pain or acknowledge a wound is because we're blaming ourselves, that we did something wrong and we somehow deserve the pain we're experiencing. Certainly there are some wounds that are self-inflicted and our healing will only come from taking responsibility for them. But many of our wounds, most of our wounds, are not our fault. So Jesus answered, neither he nor his parents sinned. It's so that the works of God might be made visible through him. So Jesus answered, no one is personally to blame for this man's blindness, but he decides to take this opportunity to display the works of God, the healing of God, so that more can come to faith. Interestingly, Jesus performed more miracles of exactly this kind than any other because giving sight to the blind was understood to be the messianic sign, the definitive proof of the arrival of the Messiah. 700 years earlier, the prophet Isaiah had foretold that when the Messiah comes, everyone will know it because the eyes of the blind will be opened. So experiencing Jesus' power to give sight to the blind was very important to that generation. But if you think about it, it can be important for our generation too. We live in a culture and a time that more and more looks to experience to identify truth. In the pre-modern world, truth was determined and dictated by authority, authority of the church or state. Modernism identified truth through reason. Postmodernism, which is where we find ourselves, postmodernism seeks truth more through experience. More and more we come to believe through our personal experience. I know it's true because I know what happened to me. So if we can experience Jesus' power through healing, it's going to powerfully confirm our faith that Jesus is Lord. Jesus displays the truth of his divine sonship through the experience of healing this man. Here's what happened. He spat on the ground and made clay with saliva 
and smeared the clay on his eyes and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went and washed and came back able to see. Why did he do that? Why did Jesus spit on the ground, make clay, smear it on the guy's eyes and tell him to go and wash? Why did he do that? It seems pretty pointless and messy. This, this is the thing about Jesus' healing. Each one is different, very personal and very different. Why? Because we're all different and our challenges are different and our wounds are different and our healing process is going to be different too. So the incidental details of this story emphasize the personal nature of Jesus' healing. But as with so much of John's gospel, there are layers of meaning here too. If you remember, a few weeks ago, we looked at the book of Genesis, which tells us that God made human beings out of the dust and dirt of the ground. This episode is a deliberate allusion to that verse in which John is saying that Jesus is the Son of God who was present at creation, and just as God created human beings from dust and dirt, Jesus makes us a new creation. Just as God the Father intimately created human beings, Jesus intimately recreates us. But there's even more to it than just that. By sending the man to wash his eyes, Jesus requires something of him. When you look at Jesus' healing stories in the Gospels, he doesn't just heal people when they present themselves. He requires something of them, even if no more than naming their need. But if you consider up to this point, Jesus had taken all the initiative. The man born blind had done nothing to participate in his own healing, not even asking for help. So Jesus gives him a job to do. He gives him the opportunity to work together with him. God's desire for us is that we participate in our own healing. He's looking to partner with us, bringing God's grace and favor into our woundedness, the healing of our heart and mind, spirit and soul, and even, even sometimes the healing of our bodies. God wants to bring his grace and favor to us, but he will not do it without our consent. He wants it to be our choice, and he wants our help. He doesn't need our help, but he wants it. So Jesus tells the guy to go and wash, and the man born blind does what he's told, and he's able to see. Now, there's a lot more to this story, which you can read about on your own. It's essentially the entire ninth chapter of John's gospel, but it's only a five-minute read, so maybe take a look. We're going to skip ahead this morning to the end of the story. Eventually, the man born blind is taken to the religious authorities for their opinion and interpretation of the miracle. However, these guys, the religious authorities, they're also blind. They're blind in their own way. They're blinded by their envy of Jesus. They hated Jesus because they were jealous of his popularity. And they absolutely refused to believe he had performed this miracle precisely because it would have been a definitive sign according to their own teaching that Jesus was indeed Messiah. 
Jesus of Nazareth, the very last person they wanted as Messiah. So when the man born blind refuses to change his testimony and agree to lie about how he was cured, the religious leaders throw him out of the temple. They exclude him from the temple. They punish him for being healed by Jesus. Look what happened. When Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, he found him and said to him, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered and said, who is he that I may believe? Well, up until this point in the story, the man born blind still has not seen Jesus. This is the first time he sees him. But the man born blind doesn't know the man he's seeing is the man who healed him. So Jesus said to him, you have seen him. The one speaking with you is he. He said, I do believe, Lord. And he worshiped him. In just a, a short time, a couple of hours, the man born blind moves from not even knowing who Jesus is to recognizing that he's gone and worshiping him. Whatever our healing, however we're healed, whenever we're healed, it's going to bring us into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, our healing is incomplete unless and until we come into that deeper relationship with Christ. Healing is impassive. It requires our active participation, participation in which we're growing in our relationship with the Lord. So, today, as we consider this wonderful story of healing, perhaps also consider, are you in need of healing? Or better yet, how are you in need of healing? What kind of healing could, what form of healing could the Lord extend to you? Do you have anything that is limiting you, slowing you down, tripping you up, confusing you, concerning you? And what steps, specifically, do you need to take to experience God's healing? Jesus tells the man born blind to go. What is he telling you to do today in any healing you could or probably should be pursuing? Go and what? Go and pray with the guys in your small group. Go and find a good counselor who can help you save your marriage. Go and forgive the person who hurt you. Go and cancel the debt you're owed. Go and move beyond that past hurt. Go and finally have an honest conversation about what's really troubling you. Go and see a doctor and find out what's wrong. Go to confession. Each week of this series, we're offering opportunities for healing immediately following Mass. Last week, we offered anointing of the sick. Next week, our healing prayer team will be on hand to pray over you and to pray for you. This week, we're offering confessions. Confessors will be on hand to hear your confession following Mass right here in church back at the confessionals. Our host teams have step-by-step -step instructions just in case it's been a while. <laughs> Confession is difficult. I know it. It is for me. I don't want to do it. I never want to do it. But every time I do, I'm glad I did. Because confession can be tremendously healing. If we want to be healed, 
We don't just sit around doing nothing, relying on good luck and wishful thinking, or worse still, magical cures. To pursue the healing God wants to give us, that God wants us to have, we've got to turn to the Lord to discern and define our part in the process. It will not happen. It will not happen apart from our participation. Go, go and take the opportunity God is laying before you today. Coming out of COVID about April 2021, I got extreme pain in this calf. And I figured it was just a muscle strain. It would go away after a bit. Well, it didn't go away. And I went to a pain doctor. The pain eased a little bit. It was an improvement. But it still wasn't normal. And I was taking all these pills, which made me kind of woozy. So it was, surprisingly, it was my birthday when I was at Mass. And um, they announced that after Mass, there would be healing prayer. I thought, well, I'm going to go up. <laughs> It was all kind of new. I didn't know what to think. I was not, I wasn't a true believer about this healing stuff. I just thought I'd try it. Prayers I did and they say, how you feel? I said, it seems okay. I didn't really know for sure yet, but I walked out of the church without any pain up that ramp, and that would have been difficult before. I thought, well, that's kind of neat. But in my back of my mind, is that this might just be some kind of psychological compensation, because you were prayed over, now you have to be healed, blah, blah, blah. Well, I didn't tell anybody about it for a long time, because there was this feeling, I don't want to jinx this. My leg's better. I took the grandchildren for some hikes and parks. And it's like, wow, I haven't done this for almost two years. One of the things I wanted to do when I went up for healing was to be able to kneel in church again because this leg, when it was having its spasms or whatever it was having, I couldn't kneel. I could not do it. I had to kind of slide forward on the pew during mass. And I can kneel now. I figured if I keep kneeling, it'll keep working. everyone thanks for watching with us today hit that subscribe button right now so you don't miss a single thing you can be part of our mission to love God love others and make disciples simply by sharing this video we are so grateful you're part of our community